0: Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for another day in our lives. Pray you fill us with your Holy Spirit, with your presence. Open our hearts and our ears to hear your word today and to leave here different, leave here changed, empowered to share the hope of Christ with the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Be seated. Good morning. So I want to begin this morning, and uh, first of all, we have a, there's a lot of new faces in here. We have a, a, a good portion of our group that's going to Honduras. After the uh, sermon, we're going to be uh, praying for them and, uh, and myself, who's going on the trip uh, next Sunday. So it's good to have you all with us if you're new or you're a visitor. Um, we also have a, a few graduates we're going to be praying for as well, who are going to be leaving for college in a few weeks. So it's a good Sunday. But the question I want to ask for you this morning is, have you ever had an experience or an event in your life, and at the time, you didn't grasp how serious or how, uh, how should I say it, how uh, important this thing was when it happened? Like you didn't understand the gravity or, um, or the magnitude of this event. Well, I want to tell you a, a story. When I was in uh, high school, toward the end of high school, I had the opportunity to go water skiing and tubing for the first time in a lake in virginia called lake anna and i grew up in the suburbs we had no lake near us we had like a creek behind my house so i was like a tourist that comes here to the beach and is like wow look a dolphin you know that kind of thing and uh so i was all excited i got on the tube and uh it was my uh my friend's older brother who was driving the boat and he said whatever you do don't let go of the tube and i said that's fine so i sat in it and i'm holding on to it and trying to be a tough high school guy and not let go and well, it was funny, I, I never fell off, and he was trying to kill me the whole time, right? And so as we're coming into where the dock is, they're yelling something at me, but I can't understand. And I think they're telling me to keep holding on. What they're telling me is to jump off the tube. And the tube is starting to slingshot right into the dock. And they're like, you know, yelling and yelling, and I'm looking at the dock, and I'm holding on tight. And my friend's mom, she was at the top of the hill, and she was like pale white watching this whole scene unfold before her. So I'm flying into the dock, still holding onto the tube. I lifted my feet at the last moment in the air and hit the dock and fell backwards off the tube, thinking that was the way you dismounted from a tubing trap. And I was like, Man, this is scary. And uh oh my gosh, Bell gave her mom a heart attack, her older brother a heart attack. It was uh it was crazy and the implications of what could have happened had I got right under that dock and hit it with my head, I mean it could have been life altering, life changing. Well, that was a potentially negative one. I'll give you one other positive one. When my first daughter, Isla, was born, my wife and I, she was born in Beaufort Memorial Hospital. We were trying to put her in the car seat. If you ever tried to do a car seat for the first time, those things are complicated, right? And you're you're trying to put her in. And so we're driving, and the car seat's kind of going back and forth like this. And we, we needed to stop the car. And I remember as we stopped the car and we were tightening everything up or trying to we're like, wow, what have we got ourselves into? We got this tiny little baby in the car seat. And, you know, it was just the tip of the iceberg about the magnitude of what it meant to be a parent. And as we brought her home and slowly we've grown into that role. Um, and especially as we've had another daughter, we've gotten a little more practice. But I think all of us have had times in our life when we kind of missed the big picture. We don't understand maybe how serious something is or how good something is, whether it be a promotion a graduation, or then for tough things like a funeral, or maybe the last time we said goodbye to somebody who passed away, or a friend who just moved away and we weren't going to see for a long time. Sometimes we don't appreciate or really understand the gravity or the magnitude of these kind of situations. We can become so focused on what is in front of us that we have trouble, as the cliche goes, seeing the, uh, the forest for the trees. Give you another example. There's a friend of mine who uh, may be here this morning. I think they're helping with Sunday school, but he was telling me when he was a kid, he had this neighbor, who the dad was so concerned about the kids not killing the grass that he would make his kids only play on certain sections of the lawn, while he like worked on the other sections to get it green again. He was so focused on keeping his lawn lush that, you know, he's kind of missing the big picture. Like your kids are going to grow up and pretty soon they're not going to be there, and there's going to be nobody playing on the lawn. Just let them destroy the lawn a little bit. You know, it's going to it's gonna be fine. You can recover when, you know, you're home alone. Sometimes we miss the big picture. We don't fully understand uh, the implications of something. There's another story that's going to help illustrate what I'm going to talk about in the gospel today. And it's the story that happened long ago. It was about a little boy. He lived in a rural area, and the circus was coming to town. And back then, that was a huge deal, right, because... It was the circus. There was no TV, no Internet, no iPhones. The circus was, like, huge. He was coming to his small town. He was super excited. He asked his dad if he could go to the circus. And the dad was like, sure, son, here's a dollar for your admission. Like I said, it was a long time ago, right? So the boy got the dollar, and he was all excited. And as he was coming to town, he saw this parade. In the parade, there was caged animals. There was a band. There were acrobats, all kinds of things. And he was so impressed as he was watching everything, and all of a sudden, pretty soon, it was ended, and there was one clown at the very end, pulled the dollar out of his pocket, gave it to the clown, and walked back home, thinking he had seen the circus. See, when it comes to our faith and understanding of who God is, and really understanding life, I think sometimes we're a lot like that little boy, where we think we've seen something, we think we grasp what faith and what... uh, Living for Christ is all about and maybe we've only got a glimpse or maybe a real bad understanding We don't get the whole picture Well, the good news for every one of us here is we have a god who wants us to live life to the fullest He wants us to see the whole picture and not miss out on life He wants to help us to live our lives in ways That they were meant to be lived And he's going to provide us the strength and the courage and peace when we have struggles in life So we can get through it Today we're going to unpack that a little bit We're going to understand what the implications of a life committed to God is What that looks like for you and I So let's go to this gospel story Jesus multiplies the bread and the loaves Now there was four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John All of them included the story And remember in these gospels there's lots of events they could have chosen about Jesus but all of them talked about this because it was a huge event so why all this coverage why not just leave it to mark or one of you know john why did all of them decide to cover this well there was something going on here that was more than just the miracle it was more than the multiplication of the bread and the loaves feeding the 5000 people and by the way it just says 5000 men so there was a lot more it tells us a lot about jesus that he was pretty popular he wasn't just something where a few people came to you know hear him It was like pretty much the whole town that was there. But for the disciples, as they wrote about this uh, later in the Gospels, they started to connect the dots. They started to see the whole picture. So they started to remember that Moses, the prophet in the Old Testament, he prayed uh, for food for the people in manna. This bread came down from heaven when they were hungry. And now they had Jesus, who was God in flesh who was feeding people bread. And he was using the bread, their common bread and fish, and multiplying it here right on earth. You see, God had become flesh and become one of us. God was no longer up there and we're down here trying to figure it out. He walked with people. It's called the incarnation. The word became flesh and dwelled among us. Or as one translation says, the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. This was Jesus. Jesus. This miracle was so much more than multiplying bread and fish. He was the Savior. He was Emmanuel. He was God who was with us. And the disciples were slowly starting to figure it out. They were starting to see the bigger picture. Listen to Jesus' words right after the miracle. It's a little confusing, I'm sure, if you when they first heard the words. But here's what he said. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness yet they died But here's the bread that comes down from heaven which anyone may eat And not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever This bread is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world And i'm sure the first time they heard that they were like say what you know, what what do you mean? You're the bread of life But then the same jesus died on a cross the same jesus rose from the dead And there was witnesses, lots of them. And these early disciples who saw this, their lives were forever changed. They came back to the story and remembered Jesus multiplying the bread and loaves. And they started to get the whole picture. That eternal life, salvation is found on him, found in him. That death does not have the final word for any of us. That we can live with this uh, living hope. But going back to the story, not everyone got this perspective. See, with 5,000 people, not including men and children, there was a lot of people there. There There's probably a lot of them who didn't grasp the whole picture. Maybe they thought it was a magic trick. Maybe they thought they were hiding some bread and loaves just to kind of fool people. Or maybe they thought it was a miracle, but then they went home and go, yeah, that was a nice miracle. Now what are we going to do? Or maybe they thought it was just a scam, complete scam, and they didn't believe any of it. But for the disciples and those who did, uh, who did make this connection, it was huge. They began to see that Jesus was more than a man. He was the Savior that came to save us from our sins, from our self, from our selfishness, and bring us to life. Let's look at Mark's words. Verily, very truly, I tell you, this is Jesus' words in Mark, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. The disciples and these early believers found out that salvation was found in Christ. That death did not need to have the final word for any of us. In John's gospel, it says this. What must we do to do the works of God requires? Someone asked Jesus and Jesus answered. The work of God is this to believe in the one who he has sent. To believe, to put your faith, put your whole self in and to trust that Jesus is our savior. This is our entrance into salvation. This is our invitation into his family. This is a family you don't get kicked out of. And I'm going to tell you a little bit more about this family. You see, for the disciples with this whole miracle, the great thing about Jesus is he involved them. Rather than saying, hey, y'all, sit back and watch what I'm going to do. And all of a sudden he starts just tossing bread and, you know, grabbing fish, throwing them behind his back and say, look at me, huh? No, instead... He gave them fish and bread, and he had them go feed the people. He told them, you give them something to eat. And they, were, they doubted him. They were scared. They're like, what? This is not going to work. This would take more than a half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. They said five and two fish. And from that little bit, the disciples started saying, whoa, this guy's for real. Jesus made them a part of things. He invited them in, and this was intentional. Because when the early church started, these were the the guys and the other believers that came alongside of them that helped to grow the church. Their faith was active. They put their whole selves in. And this faith was not just a I believe it's kind of up in my head kind of thing. They acted out through work, through love, for bringing God's hope to other people. See, this faith that we're called to, this salvation that we're called to, was never meant to be just hidden, a secret little thing. It was meant to be lived out and shared. And when we do this, we participate in what God is doing everywhere. And we get to see the bigger picture of life. We don't get stuck just looking at our own two feet. The Apostle Paul, one of the early followers of Christ, uh, wrote these words to the Thessalonians to encourage the early church there. He said, Grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope. So these people had work, they had labor, they had endurance because they understood that they were loved. They understood they were part of this family that they weren't going to get kicked out of. They understood that there was hope in Jesus. It wasn't just something to kind of believe in. It was real. They got to participate in his miracles. After the resurrection, as Jesus met and empowered them, they were empowered by the Holy Spirit to live this out. They got to participate in what God was doing. And it was huge. And then they were reminded of this, that they had help along the way. See, God sent them the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit filled them with God's presence in their lives. They had peace, they had strength, and they had courage at a time when they needed it. As they faced a lot of persecution and tough things in their life. See, we are invited to join this whole fam- this, this family as well. We're in- invited to put our whole self in. I've told you all before I went to Virginia Tech and our mascot is a Hokey. No one really knows what it means. It's, but, you know, someone said it was a cheer way back. But then the Hokey Pokey came along and, you know, you put your right foot in, right foot out. Well, the Christian faith is to put your whole self in and not take it out. It's a whole commitment. And that's what these early disciples found. And they found that when they did that, they couldn't help but share this message with other people. And then they found out they had help. They felt God's presence in their lives. They had this community of people around them that encouraged them, that brought peace and strength and courage to each other when they faced tough times in their life. The epistle reading that we read earlier said this, For he himself is our peace. He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. He is our peace. They brought that to each other. The church grew from that. He is our strength. Some of us have heard that Bible verse. Maybe we've seen it on an athletic shirt. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The guy who wrote that, it was in jail. He wasn't playing soccer or football with a shirt on. It was tough. He couldn't move. He was stuck in a cell. But he understood this peace of Christ. He understood that he could have strength when he was going through mental anguish. And then we have courage to run this race. This race of faith in Romans 8:15, it reminds of us of our inclusion in God's family. When we put our faith and belief and trust in Christ, it says this, the spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought your, your brought about your adoption to sonship. You've been adopted into a family when you believe when you put your whole self in. You belong and you're part of God's family. And the other good thing about this family that helps us see the big picture is that we're all in this together, as I reminded you just a bit ago, that we have each other to encourage each other. In our reading, it said this, In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So they use this metaphor of a building to talk about how we're being built up. And this building isn't for people to say, oh, what a pretty building. This building is uh, meant to be shared with people, to share the hope and strength and courage and peace that comes from knowing Christ. So what are you going to do with this message this morning? See, this is the most important question for you and I. What will we do with Jesus? The problem is oftentimes we go after a life and we chase things that aren't sustainable. We focus on our attention or most of our attention on things that wear out. We miss the big significance of events in our lives. Perhaps if we're honest, maybe we're like that little boy that just gives his uh, ticket to the clown thinking he saw the whole deal when he was missing out. Well, the solution that the disciples found and the solution for you and I is to put our whole weight, our whole self in, our trust in Christ. He's the one who brings us perspective. He brings us significance in our lives. He sends us the Holy Spirit so that we have peace, we have strength and courage, that we can build each other up, that no, we're not in this alone. When we choose to participate in this life of faith and put our whole self in, it doesn't make us weird. Some of you were raised with, uh, maybe uh, your parents said they want you to have a little religion, but not too much, because they didn't want you to become like an oddball or one of those kind of weird religious people. Matter of fact, when you put your whole self in, you fully commit to Christ he makes you more yourself. He makes you more normal. Because he's, the, uh, he's our author of every page of our life. He's our creator. He knows everything about us. We would be crazy to not put our whole self in and trust in him. The early church decided to live like believers. And that same call is for you and I today. And when they did this, even though they had struggles, Even though they went through tough times, their focus was no longer on themselves. Paul writes uh, some encouraging words to the early church, and it kind of summed up what these believers were about. Christ died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. This resurrection that many of them saw with their own eyes and shared this with everybody, it changed everything. They had a purpose. They had a bigger perspective. They didn't let setbacks or struggles have the last word in their lives. They had hope. You and I are both invited to the same kind of faith. Don't put it on a shelf. Don't feel insecure because you think, you know what, I have done a lot of bad things in my life. Everyone has. We're all imperfect people. But God has invited you all. And the good news is that this, listen to these words in Lamentations. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. His grace is for everyone. God uses people that are not perfect, like myself and you all, to build his uh, family up. To share this hope and love with other people. Or perhaps maybe you've experienced so much hardship and bad stuff in your life that you feel stuck. You're having trouble seeing the big picture. You're asking a lot of questions. Why is this happening to me? We have a community of people, of believers, that wants to surround you and share with you God's peace, his strength, his courage, that together, that we unified to build you up. And you also, whether you realize it or not, you have the power of the Holy Spirit that will come in your life and that will give you hope when you're going through these tough times. All of us are called to put our whole selves in. The invitation is for everyone. John 1.12 says, For all who received him, those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That includes you and I. Receive this gift. Put your whole self in. Participate in the life of faith. When you do this, you'll be filled with God's peace, even when you go through struggles. You'll have strength and courage. And you'll have a bunch of people that are in this with you as we share this message with the world. Well, We're getting ready to uh, send a big group off to Honduras. We have around 25 kids and five adults that are going there. We appreciate your prayers and all this. But for parents, I wanted to kind of end the sermon to, to tell you that um, this is an incredible opportunity for your teenagers that are going on this trip. Now, they may not come home and be nice to you all the time. They may still do bad things. As a matter of fact, I know they will. But it's another moment to remind them that God is for them. It's another reminder for them to join in what God is doing in Honduras, and they get to participate in this. It's one more thing on their journey to help them to have a solid faith as they become an adult. And that they'll have the courage to put their whole self in. Their faith in in Christ will not make them weird or odd. It's going to make them more human, more compassionate. It's going to help them see the bigger picture. Bad things that happen in their lives and discouragement won't have the last word because they're going to have this hope of salvation, of eternal life. And they're going to be able to share that message of hope and help those on this side of heaven that are going through uh, struggles and hard times. And for all of us, those very things are true as well. Trust in Christ. Live like believers. Participate in the life of faith. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to end with this. There's a post-communion prayer we're going to do after communion. That's why it's called a post-communion prayer. But I'm going to, um, I'm going to say the words right now before I close this in prayer because this kind of sums up uh, what, what I've been talking about. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart. Let us pray. Lord, I thank you that you've called us to become believers, to put our whole selves in, to trust you. And that faith is an active faith where we share it, we live it. We're filled with your love and your hope, and we bring that to other people. We thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit and other people that bring us peace, strength, and courage. We thank you this unity we have as believers. Help us to know that today, whatever struggles or setbacks or doubts we may be having. We thank you for your great love for us. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.